Why don't we head back in our Bibles to John 13 this morning? If you've not been with us, we've actually been learning more about Jesus and his service to his disciples in the upper room the night before his arrest and crucifixion as he washed their feet. He washed their feet. Last Sunday, we saw that he was interrupted in this amazing display of love and service for his disciples in verse uh, 11, or previous to verse 11, when uh, Peter actually says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Uh, But there in verse 12, we find that it doesn't take away from Jesus finishing what he started. And Jesus' service is all the more remarkable when you consider that verse 11. Jesus even washed the feet of the one he knew would betray him. Jesus washed the feet of the one he knew was not and would not be clean. And so John notes that after Jesus wraps things up, after washing his disciples' feet, all of his disciples and all of their feet... He has something more to say about what he just did for his disciples in verses 12 through 17, which will be our text today. So John records that after, so after he had washed their feet, again, finishing what he started, and had taken his garments, putting them back on, was set down again, reclining back at the table where they were eating, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me master. Or teacher and Lord. And you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, your master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye, blessed are ye, if ye do them. The lesson of these verses is pretty clear. The service that Jesus performed for his disciples was the service his disciples were to perform for each other. As Jesus served them, they were to serve each other. And that lesson was not only intended for his disciples back then. Certainly we know that this lesson is intended for all of Jesus' disciples today, for us. who are sitting here who know the Lord Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord, as our Master, as our Teacher. He saved us so that we might serve. The service Jesus did for you is the service you are to do for others today. But Jesus does not want you merely to serve in the same way that he did, by just washing feet. It may get to that point, but it's beyond that. It goes beyond that. Jesus wants you to serve according to the same spirit that he served in as many ways that may come your way. And so those who have been saved and cleansed by the Lord, this service and this message is really directed to us. Because we need to serve according to, first of all, the examination of the Lord. 
the examination of the Lord that we found there, verse 12, where Jesus asks his disciples after, again, finishing up what he started, you know, he probably laid the basin down, put the pitcher down, took on his garments, reclined back at the table, getting ready to eat, getting ready to talk, and he asked them this penetrating, probing question. Know ye what I have done to you? Do you know what I did to you, Peter? Do you know what I did to you, Judas? Do you know what I did to you, all the disciples in between? And with that question, Jesus wanted them, and Jesus wants you and me today to think about what his service really entailed, what his service really meant, what his service was really all about. Again, it wasn't just about the performance of this particular kind of service, but rather the point of his service as a whole. And when you stop and just think, and just think about Jesus' act of humble service recorded here for us in John 13, there are many things that it can teach us about Jesus and about his gospel. In fact, as I was preparing this message this week, and even this morning as I was going through it again, and and I was getting ready, I, I took the advice that Jesus gave us here in verse 12 some more. And I tried to think about, do I really know? Do I really understand? Can I really contemplate what Jesus did to his disciples back then? Do I really grasp what Jesus, God in the flesh, did in becoming a man, taking him, him, him on the very form of a servant in order to serve me? And that's what Jesus wants his disciples to do in that room and even in this room today. Think about what his service means to you. Take some time and really ponder it and grasp it if you can. There's a lot of things that his service can teach us. For example, when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, it was also a picture of the sacrifice of his life for his people. You see, this was, again, just a picture of something else that Jesus would do in service for his people that would take place the very next morning, the very next day, even when he died on the cross shedding his blood for our sin. This was just one form of service. And when you think about his entire life of service, starting with his coming in the flesh as a, as a man and ending even with his death on the cross, his entire life was, uh, was service, and this was just a type, just a picture of his everyday sacrificial spirit for the people around him and especially for those who believed in him and followed him. It's a sacrifice that extended all through his life, all through his death, a sacrifice that Jesus was willing to make in order to seek and to save and to cleanse those who would have faith in and follow him. So when you think about what Jesus did then, think about the sacrifice he made for you. Obviously, we never had the Lord Jesus take up our feet in his hands, literally and take water and pour it on our feet, literally, and then scrub them with his hands, literally. But he did so much more than that. He washed our hearts through the shedding of his blood when he sacrificed himself on the cross. Do you know what I did to you? Jesus asks. But also, when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, we saw this even last Sunday, it was a picture of the sufficiency of his cleansing for his people. If you remember back in verse 10 of this same chapter, Jesus even tells Peter, Peter who, who interrupted, said, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. 
It says, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. In other words, he's wholly clean. So again, Peter and Jesus were talking on two different levels. Peter was thinking, okay, if you're going to wash my feet in order for me to be cleansed, then wash my head, my hands, my whole body so that I can be clean. But Jesus says, no, it's not about me physically washing your feet, Peter. It's about me washing your spirit and your soul, your inside, so that your outside can then kind of catch up to where you are at it in the inside, so you can be wholly clean. You see, when Jesus washes your heart and soul, you become clean where it counts. And this is the whole point of the gospel that we've been singing about even this morning, about the lifeline. I, I noticed as we were singing that, that that phrase, lifeline, was capitalized. Capital L, capital L, lifeline, because it's not talking about a literal rope that you're sticking out there into the sea. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our lifeline. And so again, this is something that shows us that the gospel teaches that whosoever believeth in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior from sin, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, guess what? You are clean where it counts. You're clean on the inside, and then it only corresponds that sometimes as you live your life in this world, you're going to get some of the taint of the world back on you. You need to wash that off. And you wash that off like we saw last Sunday night through confession of your sin, knowing that Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This cleansing, this cleansing can only come through the cleansing power of Jesus' blood and Jesus' word. So when you think about and ponder and contemplate what Jesus did back then in that room to those disciples' feet, think about the sacrifice and the sufficiency of all his work for you. That's one of the reasons why one of the psalm writers could say, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to his cross I cling. The work and the service of the Lord Jesus is complete and sufficient for anyone and everyone who comes to him and puts their faith and trust in him. That's all you need to be clean every wit, every way, every in, in wholeness, so that now you can serve him just like he served you. Now, when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, it was also, and, and of course this is what we're getting to in verses 12 through 17, a picture of the service. A picture of the service that Jesus wants his people who have been cleansed and who have been washed by him to continue in. And so this is what we find in the rest of these verses. All service for the Lord should be done in contemplation of the service of the Lord. All service for the Lord ought to be done as you think about the Lord's service for you because of its sacrifice, because of its sufficiency, and because of the example that he sets for us. Again, Jesus asked, Know ye what I have done for you? We need to serve according to the examination of the Lord. Think about all that it means for Jesus to serve. You and me and them. But then, as believers, we need to serve according to the excellence of the Lord. The excellence of the Lord as well, which is what we find next in verse 13, where Jesus adds this. He says to his disciples, you call me master and Lord. Master could also be translated teacher. You call me master or teacher and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. So here, Jesus is talking about the way his disciples would often address him with these titles of honor and respect. And of course, that is the way they should have talked to Jesus, right? 
they shouldn't have just talked to him as as buddy buddy but they should have talked to him in these terms of respect because he was all these things he was their teacher he was their lord so he says you know you call me master uh, in fact this is a common way that we find in the gospel of john where people would address jesus teacher Teacher, I think it's found nine times in the Gospel of John. And, and of course, this reflects how Jewish students back in that day would just call their teachers. Uh, so if you were a, a little young Jewish boy and you were going to the synagogue to listen and learn from the, the teacher that was there, you would call him teacher or rabbi. And in this sense, you are giving them the honor and the respect that they are due. But this was a title of respect and esteem that was also used to address Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry. And then he also adds, you know, you call me Lord. This is the kurios Lord. This is even what Peter said to Jesus a few verses before when he didn't even think about what he was saying. He says, Lord, you are my sovereign master. You're not going to wash my feet even though you're wanting to. And that's what Jesus' point here is in this verse. You might say these things to me. You might say these things about me, but do you really understand what you're saying and do you really mean what you say? So here, this too was a title of respect and esteem. And Jesus commends his disciples for the use of these titles. He says, you say well. You call me master, teacher, and Lord, and you say well. And then Jesus says, for so I am. When Jesus says, I am here, it kind of reminds you of some of the other places where Jesus said, I am. And he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am these other things. And here he's saying, I am the teacher. I am the Lord that you call me. Jesus says, for so I am. That is, his disciples were not wrong in who Jesus was. However, again, did they really mean what they said when they called Jesus by these titles? By saying, for so I am, Jesus claimed to not only be a teacher, but the teacher. The most eminent and exclusive teacher of all. And if they really considered Jesus to be their teacher, they would listen to him and learn from him. And isn't that something for us as well? If you really come to know Jesus, and you really believe that Jesus is the teacher of all teachers, why don't we listen to him more? Why don't we learn from him more? Why don't we follow after him more? I know we have all kinds of teachers in this world. I mean, you think about the teachers that you had growing up, and of course, you know, in high school or junior high or even in elementary school, there's probably some teacher that kind of sticks in your mind, right? There was something that made that teacher special. And because they were such a good teacher, you wanted to listen to them, didn't you? You wanted to learn from them, and you wanted to please them as well. I can remember several of those teachers in my own life, you know, from when I was young, even to when I was in college. There were some teachers that I truly respected and esteemed, and I wanted to listen and learn from them so that I could apply the things that they taught me. Well, Jesus says, I am the teacher. I'm the teacher of all teachers. Think of all the good teachers that you've ever had in the, in the past, and I am the best of those teachers. So listen to me and learn from me. Even Jesus says and urges in Matthew eleven twenty twenty nine, 29, learn of me. But then also Jesus says, for so I am, when he talks about being Lord. He's not only a Lord, but the Lord. That is the most mighty and majestic Lord of all. Isn't this something we saw in the book of Revelation this morning in Sunday school class? <laughs> Where Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the most mighty and majestic one who is able and worthy to open up that scroll. And so he is here. 
And if you really call Jesus as your Lord, then you need to honor Him and obey Him as your Lord. And again, isn't this something that we still need? How often do we call Jesus Lord? You know, in our prayers, it's kind of just a natural thing. Dear Lord, dear Lord, dear Lord, do this, that, or the other for me. Or, dear Lord, thank you for this, that, or the other in my life. And yet, do we really contemplate, do we really think about Him as Lord? Again, Jesus says, for so I am. I am your master. Now, this obviously in times past was just a, a, a word of respect and esteem for sure. But the disciples, even though they may not have understood everything that met, was meant by that word, truly they were accepting him as the master of their life. Because in, as you go through, you learn that this Lord is not just uh, a Lord of this world, but he is the Lord of all. He is the Lord, the one in all caps in the Old Testament. He is the Yahweh. He is the Jehovah God. He is the one that deserves our submission and respect and honor and obedience. And that's why Jesus even asked in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So here Jesus is leading up to something. He says, you, my disciples, call me teacher and Lord. Are you going to be willing to do what I say here in just a few moments? Especially considering all the service that I have just shown to you here by washing your feet. And not just that, but all of the service that I've done for you in these years that you've known me. Do you really mean what you say when you call me teacher? Do you really mean what you say when you call me Lord? Are you willing to listen and learn from me when I tell you something to do? Are you willing to obey and honor me when I tell you something to do? You see, even though it is good for us to consider Jesus and even to call Jesus Master and Lord, Jesus commends them. He doesn't take away from that. It's good to say it, but it's better to mean it. It's better for us to conduct ourselves according to the truth of those titles, that He is our teacher, that He is our Lord. He is the teacher. He is the Lord. And so Jesus then calls you and calls me to serve and to serve Him by remembering the excellency of Jesus as our Master and Lord. And so what does he want you to do? Again, he's setting himself up here. What does he want you and me to do when we believe in him and follow him? Verse 14, we see the expectation of the Lord. The expectation of the Lord. This is what Jesus wants you to do. If I then, your Lord and Master, he actually puts it in reverse order from what he just said, if I then am your Lord and teacher, and I have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now the key word in this verse, and the key word in that thought, is the word ought. Ought. This word ought has the idea of an obligation. This word ought has the idea of owing something to someone. And what is it that you owe, according to this verse? You owe to Jesus a loving service to others. And not just others in general, but even a loving service to who? To one another. He's referring to other disciples and other Christians. Now, if you think about all those 12 disciples there with Jesus there in the midst, and one of them, Jesus said, was even a devil. He'll call him that here in just a few moments. So we know who that is, but they yet did not. Jesus is telling his disciples, 
I am your Lord, I am your teacher, and I am telling you, I am urging you, I am wanting you to serve each other. I'm wanting you to serve each other as I have served you. Service is our obligation to the Lord when we are saved. Service, especially to God's people, is our obligation to the Lord when we are saved. And this obligation is far greater than what the world considers good. You know, there have been a couple of times where I was, you know, sitting in a, a drive-thru, right, make an order for something, and, and uh, I get up to the window, and, and the person that is handing me out the food says, you know, you don't have to pay for this because the person in front of you paid for you. That is, they paid it forward. You know, and that, that's good. I mean, that, you hear all kinds of stories like that, right? You know, I, I even remember one time my wife and I were in different cars, and we were coming up to the, coming up to the drive-thru, and I was in front, my wife was in the back, and, and I, I said, I'm going to pay for the one behind me, too. You know, and, and then to tell them, that, you, know, you know, I'm not really, you know, being all that goody-goody, it, you know, it's my wife, so I'm paying for her, too, right? But that's what the, the world thinks is great, you know? It's, it's good to pay things forward. But Jesus is saying, it's so much more than that. I mean, yes, do what kind of the world might think is good in that regard, but it is involves so much more than that because paying it forward may not cost you a lot. You know, when I paid for my wife, I think it was at Starbucks. It was like five bucks. You know, she was worth that for sure. You know, <laughs> when those people paid for me going through the drive-thru, it was probably 10 bucks. And again, it didn't cost them a whole lot. But sometimes when you serve others the way Jesus served you, it may cost you a whole lot. In fact, it should cost us a lot. It costs us even our life. Did not the service of Jesus cost his very life for us? That's the service he expects. This is the expectation that your master, your Lord, has for you and every single one of us who are his disciples. Again, Jesus says, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. You owe it to me because I am your Lord and Master. So here we need to understand the extent of this expectation. The extent of this expectation. To wash someone's feet was considered, if you remember, to be the most menial and even humiliating tasks reserved for the youngest or the lowest servant and slave. Even in the Jewish nation, they would not deign to bow down and wash somebody's feet. They would have a Gentile servant do that for them. They, they thought it was so beneath them to do something like this. And yet that's what Jesus did. So if you think about it this way, when Jesus says, as I wash your feet, you need to wash each other's feet, the fact is any other kind of service that you do for God and for his people is considered an upgrade, <laughs> Right? So it involves any and all service for God's people. Even reaching down to what the world might consider to be the most menial and demeaning manner of service that is possible. And yet Jesus says any service is something that is greater than this world offers. This is the kind of service he expects. But we know that Jesus is not just talking about only washing feet but rather all kinds of service that may lead up and even include that kind of service. You know, by the time Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.10, he is talking about commending of widows. 
widows that are in the church that love the Lord, that have served the Lord. And he even describes how these women would have washed the saints' feet as sort of a picture and even an illustration of the Christian hospitality that those women had toward God's people within the church. And, and so even those dear widows who might have been creaking and groaning as they got down on their knees in order to wash the feet of those that were traveling through, they would have washed them because they did so in service of their Lord and Master. Because Jesus said, as I have washed your feet, so also wash each other's feet. So the extent is broad. The extent is great. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about using your gifts as a child of God to serve the people of God. Is this something that we are doing in our church? Is this something that you are doing as a Christian? Do you see the value and the importance and the obligation that you owe to your Lord and Master to serve one another within the body of Christ? To serve each other. But then we can also see from this verse the esteem of this expectation. Why is it that Jesus washed his, his disciples' feet? The esteem? Because he loved them. It's clear that he loved him. Even with every single foot that he touched with those precious, pure hands, it was an act of love. It was an act of tenderness. It was an act of goodness. It was an act of grace. In fact, this was the very opposite of the spirit that was in that room up until that time. We've already addressed this earlier, but in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, we learn that even as Jesus and his disciples were sitting there, and there's the pitcher of water, sitting there, not used, we're told that there was a strife among the disciples. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? Now, of course, they didn't want Jesus to catch wind of that, so they're probably whispering, you know, well, look who's over by Jesus now. Look who's sitting next to him. He must be one that's going to be very prominent in the kingdom of God. Or what about this one here? Or what about me? Maybe I should move my way a little bit closer. Jesus was dealing with that kind of attitude. And yet, even though his disciples esteemed themselves, Jesus esteemed and loved them even better than himself. Isn't that what true service is? It's not thinking more on my things, but rather even on the things of others. That is the kind of service that Jesus did for us in his whole life. This is just a point of that life. This is just a picture of that life. This is just an example of that life that even culminated with his final service on the cross. And now, our Lord and our Master calls on us to do the same thing. If you have faith in Christ and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he expects you to serve as he served to the greatest extent and with the greatest esteem. Because when you esteem yourself to be greater than others, you will expect to be served rather than expend yourself to serve. And isn't this something that we all need today? How often do I really expend myself in service for someone else? Especially someone else in my own church family. Remember Paul even said, I will both spend and be spent for you. That's the kind of service that Jesus did, and that's the kind of service that Paul sought to emulate. And that's the kind of service that we as Christians are obligated to. And where is our service for the Lord today? You see, when you esteem Jesus as the Master and Lord, 
that you claim him to be, then you have an obligation to learn from his example and to obey his expectation. And you serve the Lord by serving each other with the same kind of heart and hands as the Lord. I like what Don Carson once wrote about this verse. He says, the heart of Jesus' command, that is the very heart, the very pith, the very center of his command, is a humility and helpfulness toward brothers and sisters in Christ. It may not be that you have to go to the greatest extent and wash their feet. <laughs> but there's a willingness to. A willingness to be humble and helpful no matter what that service is. No matter what that brother or what that sister needs in their life. You're willing to go that extra mile. You're willing to go serve that person because that's the way Christ served you. You're doing something because you know that it's what God, your Lord, your Master wants you to do. But then we find in verse 15 that we also need to serve according to the great example of the Lord. The great example. Again, Jesus tells us this very clearly. For I have given you an example. This is why you ought to wash each other's feet. This is why you ought to serve each other, even to the greatest extent. Because I have given to you an example that you should do as I have done to you. You know, an example is a pattern. Uh, some of you ladies are into sewing. I don't think any of you guys are, so that's why I'm picking on the ladies, right? And if you are going to sew a dress, you're going to sew a shirt or something like that, you know, you go to Joanne Fabrics and you, you know, pick out one of their patterns. And once you buy that pattern, you cut it out and you lay it down. And then, you, of course, you stick your fabric underneath it and you cut it out so that you can have the picture of that garment that's on the cover of, of that into the actual clothes that you want to wear. And Jesus is saying, I am giving you a pattern that you can follow in your life. Now, this is not the only reason why Jesus served his disciples here in that way. It's certainly one of the main reasons why he did, but he wanted to give us an example, knowing that by his grace, through his strength, we can serve as Jesus served. You know, before you were a Christian, you could only serve the way the world serves. But now, as a Christian, you can serve the way Christ serves, in a way that has greater and eternal gravity and merit in the lives of the people that you serve. So the example here is a pattern that we are to follow. And Jesus' practice in service is now our pattern for service. You see, Jesus is the one who always did what he demands of us. Jesus is always the one who practiced what he preached to us. Jesus is always the one who treated us and teaches us the way we are to treat each other. Now, this is an example. Uh, I don't believe, based on you know, what we understand from other passages of Scripture, it's, a, it, it's not an example for a formal ordinance. You, know, you might know of some people that are in churches that have this as one of the ordinances, you know, the washing of each other's feet. Um, certainly that is you know, one way of looking at this, but I don't think that's necessarily the, the best way of looking at this. It's not that he was setting a formal ordinance within the church to wash each other's feet like you'd come to the Lord's Supper table or have believers' baptism. But rather, he's setting an example for an informal, ordinary, everyday, lifelong opportunity and pursuit for us to serve each other as Jesus served us. That is, when we get up in the morning... You know, if you, if, I, if you go back through all the messages I've preached and you hear about all the things that we should do the first thing you get up in the morning, 
You know, that take hours, right? <laughs> but this is one of the first things we should do when we get up in the morning is think, okay, Lord, who can I serve? And how can I serve them? Even as you serve me. And especially within the body of Christ. Jesus says, serve each other. Wash each other's feet. It starts in the house of God and certainly extends to others in the world, but have a spirit and a desire to serve. That's one of the struggles that we have in this world, not just in the church, but there are so many people that are consumed with being served that they forget to look out from their own concerns and their own problems and esteeming others better themselves and find ways to serve and encourage them because that is where, as we're going to see, where real blessing lies. You see, the key in this verse is the word as. Jesus says that ye should do as, or just as, or even as I have done to you. And that takes us all the way back to when we saw Jesus serve in this passage. Remember how he served in verses 4 and 5? Remember the picture that we saw as we read those verses, how Jesus riseth from supper? Even in the midst of all that conflict among the disciples, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? Jesus quietly, but firmly, perhaps even slowly, rises from supper, takes aside his garments, his outer garments, perhaps that robe that was on him, and even perhaps the, the, the inner garment, the tunic that he was wearing, so that all he might have had on and that was left would have made him look like a bond slave. Then he takes that towel, he ties it around himself, after that, he poureth water into the basin and begins to wash the disciples' feet. He doesn't just pour the water on the feet and that's it. He washes those feet with his hands, scrubs them and rubs them clean, and then he wipes them with a towel wherewith he was girded. We saw Jesus serve in those verses. But do you realize that with every single step in that, that service, Jesus served intentionally, didn't he? He served with an intentional plan when he rose up from supper. He served with an intentional preparation as he laid aside those garments and took a towel. He served with an intentional purpose as he poured the water into that basin and began to wash those disciples' feet. And he served with that intentional performance as he wiped those feet with the towel wherewith he was girded. Jesus' service was intentional. It was on purpose. It was not an accident. It was not some random act of service or random act of kindness. Again, that's the way the world wants us to think service is involved, right? It's okay to do random acts of kindness. It's okay for us to do random acts of service. But here, Jesus is talking about doing intentional acts of service that you think about, that you plan, that you prepare for in order to be a blessing to others. Because this is how Jesus served us. You know, there is so much more that we still need to learn and apply when it comes to our service for the Lord and for each other. In fact, how much is still missing in our service if, in fact, service is not missing altogether? But then we also need to learn to serve, according to verse 16, the explanation of the Lord. The further explanation of the Lord that we find in this verse. Jesus uses a statement that we've already seen 17 times already in the book of John. Verily, verily. Simply means truly, truly. Uh, this is a phrase that basically he uses before a certain truth that is consequential for the hearers to listen to. 
You've got to get this. This is another way he, he gets our attention. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Now, these are some very common general truths that are true within the church as well as outside the church. This is true all over the place. It is true that a servant is not greater than his Lord, and it is true that the one who is sent is greater than he that sent him. So we understand these truths, these basic, common, ordinary truths. But with these principles, Jesus explains why we need to serve as he calls us to. You see, we need to serve as the Lord served because the servant is not greater than his Lord. Verse 16. In other words, if Jesus is your Lord, and again, he says, you call me Lord, you say well, but do you really mean what you say? When you call upon me and you call me Lord and you ask me Lord and you praise me as Lord, do you really mean what you say? Remember then that the servant is not greater than his Lord. If Jesus is your Lord and he served, then you need to serve as he did. But you know, just because Jesus took upon him the form of a servant as Lord does not make him inferior, does it? Not at all. In fact, the when Jesus came and, and served those disciples, it enhanced his majesty, I believe, in the eyes and the hearts of those disciples. I mean, they were shocked. They were ashamed that the one they called and believed to be their Lord and Master, their Lord and Teacher, was actually bending down before their feet, their dirty, grimy, dusty, smelly feet, and taking them in his own hands and washing them. And that just showed to them there his, his greatness. He was not inferior. He was vastly superior because he could humble himself and not just be obedient in that form of service, but even in the greatest service of all when he died on the cross for our sin. We need to serve as the Lord served because he is greater than we are. Also, we need to submit as the Lord submitted because of that second general truth, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. We need to submit as the Lord submitted. Now, didn't Jesus describe himself as one who was sent many times in this gospel alone? I mean, how many times have we seen that, that Jesus says, you know, I, I was sent by the Father, I was sent by my Father, I was sent by the Father. And yet, as the sent one, the, the word is apostle even, as the great apostle of our salvation, Jesus himself submitted himself to the will of his Father in heaven. What submission of the Son to the Father. And even that, we need to remember that Jesus is the one who not only then saves us, but also sends us into his church, sends us into this world to do what? To serve. This is one of the ways that we shine our light into this world. This is one of the ways that we are his salt in this world, is through our service. We demonstrate that. And we are not greater than he that sent us. So that's why we need to take these truths to heart. If it was not beneath the dignity of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, to serve you, how can it be beneath you to serve each other? But then there in verse 17, as we finish up this passage, we also find the encouragement of the Lord to serve. The great encouragement of the Lord. If it's not enough 
that we ought to serve the Lord because he saved us. And if it's not enough that we ought to serve the Lord and serve each other because he tells us to, here's another reason to serve. The encouragement of the Lord. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. This is a beatitude of promise. Now, if you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, you have the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who are, you know, pure, you know, meek, and all those things. Blessed are. Well, that's the same word here, blessed. This is a promise of blessing. If you know these things, happy or blessed are ye if ye do them, or happy, even joyful are you when you personally apply what Jesus has just taught you in these verses. So isn't that the whole point of these scripture scriptures that God has given to us? It's not just to you know, go in one ear and out the other. It's for us to listen and learn because he's our teacher, and then to honor and obey and apply because he's our Lord. Now these things that Jesus says here, these things refer to these principles of service that he just gave us. Even the examination and excellence, and expectation, and example, and explanation, all from the Lord. These are the things that we need to know. These are the things that we need to understand. But how can we do these things now? What does Jesus mean by, happy are ye if ye do these things? Well, let's look at them closely as we go through them. When it comes to the examination of the Lord, you know when he says, do you know what I did to you? Do not forget what Jesus did, not only for his disciples, but for you. Don't forget what Jesus did for you. So often we go through our lives and we forget what Jesus did for us. Don't forget. Keep his service in your mind and ponder in your heart. Because as you remember the service of the Lord, you will, remember, or you will experience greater joy, greater happiness, and greater blessing as you serve. Again, Jesus says, happy are ye if ye do them. Happy are ye if ye do this. Or when it comes to the excellence of the Lord, how can we do what he taught us here? When it comes to that excellence of the Lord as, as the Lord, as the teacher, have faith in who Jesus is. Have faith that what he says about himself is so, is true. He truly is the master. He truly is the teacher. So listen to him and learn from him. Honor him and obey him. Do you realize that as your faith in Jesus continues to grow, and as you serve him according to that faith, you will experience greater joy, greater happiness, and greater blessing, because Jesus says, happy are ye if you do them. Blessed are ye if you do this. Or when it comes to the expectation of the Lord, this expectation to wash even as he washed be faithful to what Jesus has called you to do. Just be faithful in what Jesus has called you to do. What has Jesus called us to do? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says that he has called you to, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. To look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. This is what Jesus calls you to do, and this is what the, is really the motive for your service, to want what's best for the other and not just for yourself. Are you faithful to the Lord in your service? Because as you are, you will experience even greater joy, greater happiness, greater blessing, because Jesus says, happy are ye 
if you do them. But then what about it comes to the example of the Lord? Again, something else that we've learned from, just keep following his example. He doesn't say, okay, do something that he's never done. He doesn't say, okay, go out and serve in a way that I've never called you to serve or I've never shown you to serve. Just keep following his example by serving as he served in an intentional way. Not just in a random way, not just in a paying forward way, not just in the way the world expects you to serve or we expect the world to serve. Seek opportunities to serve. Seek them out. Look for them. Because that's what Jesus did for them. He sought out a way and planned a way to show his great love and service for his disciples by washing their feet. And we ought to do the same starting in our churches and then going out to the rest of the world. Again, as you follow him, follow his example, you will continue to experience more joy, happiness, blessing, because Jesus said, Jesus promises, happier ye if you do. And then when it comes to this further explanation of the Lord, using these common examples, just strive to fulfill his will for your life from your heart. Seek to serve from your heart with the same kind of surrender and submission that the Lord displayed in all of his service for you. Again, picking up there in verse 12, it all goes back to thinking, pondering, contemplating this question. Know ye what I have done to you. Don't forget about the service of the Lord for you. Are you experiencing the joy and blessing of serving the Lord today? Maybe you look in your life and you say, well, there's really not a lot of service there. Then you need to see that that is something that is an expectation of the Lord for his people. And if you have not been serving as you should be serving, the first thing we do is we come to the Lord and we confess that sin, knowing that the Lord will be faithful and just to forgive you of that sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and then ask him to help you contemplate more of his service so that you in turn can serve others. Using whatever gifts God has given you to whoever God places in your life, especially within the body of Christ, but it can extend as well. Are you experiencing the joy and blessing of serving the Lord today? It is certainly true that no matter how you feel when you serve, you are blessed by the Lord. I do believe that Jesus intended for there to be an active blessing, an active joy, even an active happiness in his service that goes far, far deeper than the giddiness of worldly happiness. Christians that serve have the greatest blessing of all. This can be your experience when you serve the Lord according to how the Lord served you. So may our service and my service and your service become more and more like the master's service. And we're going to sing in a moment, more like the master. Because we know from this promise of blessing in verse 17, if you know these things, if you know them, happy are ye, blessed are ye, if you do them. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you again for this passage that reminds us of one of the purposes, one of the reasons why Jesus blessed his disciples by serving them in this sacrificial, loving, even humiliating way. Oh Lord, I pray that you will get that impression of this picture and of this passage deep, deep, deep in our hearts. 
so that we will be so moved by the service of the Lord to them that, Lord, we will realize that that was just the tip of the iceberg of his great service even for us. A service that would extend to his sacrificial offering of his own life on the cross for our sins. As the Lamb of God who would be slaughtered for the sins of the world. Oh, Father, I pray that we will see right now that Jesus served us in that way. And Jesus continues to serve us and continues to apply that service to us each and every day of our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that first and foremost, if there's anyone here who does not know that Jesus served them in that way, that Jesus did not die on the cross for them, I pray that you will call them to yourself and show them that all they must do is believe that Jesus, as the greatest teacher of all, as the greatest Lord of all, humbled himself to die for their sins and rose again, came back to life so that he might rescue and redeem and save all who come to him by faith in him alone for salvation from their sins. Oh, Lord, I pray that that service, that service is what the Spirit would use to draw so many into your service and into your relationship. But then, Lord, I also pray for those of us who do know Jesus as our Savior. And we know that Jesus served us in, in such deep, profound, sacrificial ways. We have forgotten it. We're not faithful to it. Sometimes, Lord, we just disobey and don't serve. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for not serving as you have served us and not loving as you have loved us, as we'll see later on in this passage. But Lord, I pray that as we confess our sins, that then, Lord, we will go and sin no more. I pray that we will take your spirit, the spirit of sacrificial service that we see in this passage, and Lord, we pray that you'll apply it to our hearts so that, Father, we might go in that same spirit and serve one another even as you served us. Help us, Lord, to show to this world your service through our service. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.